10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off! Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. All right, we're going to do things a little bit different on this edition of the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. As always, we're with you, Matt and Brad, but we're bringing in kind of a third wheel. Host Go ahead on and this. say it. Wheel, third wheel. Third wheel. That's right. A third wheel on this broadcast. That's a compliment. No, I'll take it. <laughs> It's our partner all season long. It's uh, Philip Butterfield. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. How about this? We'll it's third. great to finally see you guys we'll after say, a long off season. We'll say third leg because you never heard of a bipod. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't work, would it? I don't think it would. Functionally, I don't think so. so you, you get a third leg to keep this thing upright. <laughs> all right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to get into Philip's story and talk about his first year on the broadcast here in just a little bit but we're recording this just full disclosure we're recording this on saturday afternoon we just came from watching practice out at centennial bank stadium and it was the first chance that philip and i had to go out and and see the team you know one of the things that i, I knew was going to be strange but I don't think it really hit me until we were actually out there was just how many newcomers there are it's such a monster number. 68 newcomers are out there. And Brad and I were having this conversation on his show Friday afternoon about what are we looking for when we go to go out there. And I said, mainly, I'm looking at personnel right now. I'm just, <laughs> just trying, trying to, to learn, learn the names. these guys. <laughs> it's, my question is, are dudes wearing names? Like, they have, Do they have a strip of tape on their helmet with names? <laughs> no, I didn't see any of those. Because it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, you see them before. Yep. I guess with a first-year staff, newcomers. especially, but absolutely, you got a first-year team. Yeah, you would think that they would, but I, I, they didn't have it this fall camp for some reason. I guess the coaches know them by name already, or just call them by number. What were you looking for, Philip? I mean, what was it you wanted to see out at that first practice? Well, I mean, if you look at last year, I think one of the things we were lacking was just player leadership. I mean, a lot of guys coming into a brand new program, brand new coaching staff. Um, some guys may have been hesitant, but the first, I guess, couple quarters um, or a couple drills we had out there, you saw James Blackman vocally coming out and leading the team, getting the guys right on track. And I think that was a big positive for what we wanted to, to check out. Yeah, I, I think this is a good moment in practice to talk about because it, it tells our fans a lot. Coach Jones called a bunch of the players together right around the goal line during the middle of practice and you thought that Coach Jones was about to talk to the team. And James Blackman said, hey, I got this. Yep. And Coach Jones walked away. James Blackman took over. And he was the one yep. telling the whole team that we needed to step things up. And look, that's something we didn't yeah. see last year. Well, I had somebody in the building months ago tell me this is James Blackman's team. And uh, it, it made me think of something last week when we were down in New Orleans at Sunbelt Media Day. We're talking to Jake Spavadol at Texas State. And look, by all accounts, I mean, even they're not saying it, signs point that Lane Hatcher will be their starting quarterback. And he, we were talking about the fact with him that, 
you know, Lane Hatcher, for all he's accomplished so far in his college career, has never gone into a season as the starting quarterback. Then Butch Jones sits down and says the exact same thing about James Blackman. That's right. He's never gone into a season being the guy. And so I think, he, by all accounts, he's taken to that role well. Philip and I had a great conversation after practice with Keith Heckendorf. And, of course, Coach Heck is the first offensive coordinator that James Blackman has had two, two consecutive years. So one thing that Coach Heck said was, you know, James Blackman went back and watched every snap of preseason camp from a year ago and went up to Heck and said, I was horrible last year. And I think that probably says a lot just about how James feels about his game and how much he feels like he's progressed. Absolutely. And I think if you're the Arkansas State fan base, this is the first time we've went into a season when it's not a two-quarterback team you know, in the past three years. And it's I think been a for, while. Exactly. Yeah. And I think for James specifically, as you already mentioned, same exact offensive system two years in a row. He's confident. He's comfortable in the system. Last year, going into fall camp, that was the first time he really dove into Coach Heck's playbook. And so I think he's he's a year into it. He's, he's more comfortable. Uh, he's got the same wide receiver group. And so I think it's exciting to see that development and that, that confidence in James right now. I, I know people, some people say, and even coaches tell you when it's what they want you to hear, you know, iron sharpens iron and the, the competition, you know, for an open job, make everybody better. But you played that position. Didn't there value to knowing that every time you mess up, you don't have to look over your shoulder <laughs> to see if somebody else is coming onto the field? That, absolutely. And, and I think for, for my time, obviously Ryan Applin, probably the greatest player in, in program history, in my opinion. From his standpoint, we competed each year. But as two-time Sunbelt Player of the Year, I think he kind of had that recognition. <laughs> um, but it, we, everybody knew it was Ryan's team. And I think having a one-quarterback team says a lot about what the, the culture of the, of the group is looking at. And obviously we saw that today with James. He felt confident enough that he can speak up, and I think guys were paying attention, which is what we're looking for. Yeah, we were anxious to see some of the newcomers as well, some of the guys that came in even after signing day. And there were a couple of transfers we were looking forward to seeing. It was good to see Brian Sneed, the running back who started his career at Ohio State, then had a, a very nice couple of years at Austin P. But he's out there and, and looking really sharp. And then another guy we were looking forward to seeing was Champ Flemings, the transfer receiver from Oregon State. He's listed as 5'5". That might be a little generous, but when we talked with Coach Heck after practice, he did admit that he's going to be a pretty fun toy to play with. He he has a chance to be really special this year. Absolutely. Champ seemed like just right at home in the slot position. As we already talked about before, Champ was playing outside wide receiver at Oregon State. Feels a lot more confident in the slot, and James was looking at him quite a bit. He was his go-to receiver today. Again, think about that. And, and you and I talked about it. A guy listed at 5'5 five five is playing outside wide receiver in the Pac 12, mm-hmm. going against guys like we saw at Washington last year. I mean, so a lot. I mean, he, he's, you know, sometimes he's going to be going up against dudes he's given up eight inches to mm-hmm. and going up and winning for balls. And part of the reason Arkansas State was uh, an inviting place for him to come is because he can come play in the slot. Yep. Where, because I think, that, I mean, obviously the young man knows if he's going to play at the next level, that's going to be where it is. Yeah, and, and you could tell today, I mean, we were, whether we were putting him on a bubble route, a crossing route, he just looked very natural in the slot position today. 
And then a lot of people have their questions about the offensive line coming into the year. We got to watch them out there. And, and really, it, it's the same five that we saw back in the spring that are out there with the ones right now. But there's a little bit of depth now and some guys that are competing for spots. And, and you can look at last year. I mean, we were going to our four-string right tackle towards the end of the season. So we have to know that we have depth <laughs> on the offensive line. Well, think about that. That's where we were last year. <laughs> and obviously, McKeelan Thomas, I know he came in as a true freshman last year and got a little playing time. He's our guy at left tackle, and, and James has the confidence in him. But if you look across the board, Makai Butler, Ethan Miner, Ernie at right guard, uh, I think, like you've already mentioned, we have that established already. But we have some guys in the second string that are pushing them. Yeah, and Jordan Rhodes being one of those guys, the newest transfer that came in from Ole Miss, a guy that's started a bunch of games in the SEC, but uh, he's out there competing for a spot as well bigger bodies and that's what coach jones talked about all year last year he needed some very large humans to help out and really you talk about line play same thing on the defensive side brad coach jones talked to you and i at media day and said look we got to have some guys on the interior part of the defensive line step up yeah and you know those spots are open for a couple of different reasons you know in some cases you had guys you graduate out of the program in a case you had a guy that would probably be playing there, transfer out of the program. And then in some cases where like maybe early on in the spring, Blaine Toll was a guy they had playing inside. Now other attrition has him maybe more on the outside. So by any number of reasons, you know, there are snaps to be had. They're up for grabs. They're seemingly in the interior defensive line. After practice, that was one of the points that he made that, Obviously, everybody's competing right now, but the defensive interior line position right now is something he's looking for some people to step up. If you go to the second level, obviously a couple names we've already talked about before, but uh, Kavon Bennett, Jordan Carmouche, and then Eddie Smith at the safety position. There's a lot of guys that are that are leading in the defensive backfield, and I think that's good to see. But the defensive line is something I think we're going to be paying attention to. So those guys aren't as unheralded as the ones they're facing on the offensive line. But what a really good interior defensive lineman does is make a linebacker a star, mm-hmm. right, by just eating up blocks and, and letting those guys go out and play in space. And, you know, you think about all the places A-State's been good, and we talk about wide receivers and players of the year in this spot and that pot spot. But, I mean, you got to Ryan Carruthers and Forrest Merrill, and you realize, I mean, there's been some dudes in that. Alex Carrington. Line. Yeah, going back I mean, to Brian. that, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, there's been a, a huge line of that, and Brandon Joyner, Chris Odom, who just signed another deal in the NFL. So we, we need to get back to uh, having some depth at that spot. All right, anything else stand out as far as – Well, I will see. You boys didn't talk running back. Well, <laughs> well, we haven't yet. I mentioned Brian Snead. Yep. did have a chance to watch him a little bit. Johnny Lang yep. was out there as well. But, I mean, there, there's some depth there. Running back and tight end were in, in quarterback – uh, were a few areas on the offensive side that Coach Jones talked about. Specifically, we have a lot of competitive depth. That's something that he stressed last year. He talked about big humans is what we're looking for, but competitive depth. And I think we have it at the running back spot, the tight end spot, and the quarterback spot. So we have to continue to build out to the rest of the position groups. Yeah, guys, we saw a little bit in the spring. Mike Sharp, Jaquez Cross, those are some names mm-hmm. that uh, you might be hearing a little bit more often too. But Mike, I mean, you mentioned Iron Mike Sharp. The second was, what, I think the third fastest guy on the team 
when he got here and the in the yeah. Dustin Jeff Jones does. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't know how quick it'll be, but I expect you know, that's a name we're going to hear a lot somewhere down the line. Yeah, and and I like our our tight ends a lot. Brad and I were talking about this last week, but uh, Emmanuel Stevenson really showed us a lot last year as a true freshman. Seydou Triore, uh, I think could be one of those breakout guys this year. He looked good at tight end last year, but he could be a guy that split out a little bit more as as the season progresses because he's got that that big long frame and and you can use him on the outside. Yep, no doubt about it. I think we were talking with Coach Heck after practice as you already mentioned, we're trying to figure out the personnel that we feel more comfortable with and if the tight end group is a strength of the team. Look for 12 personnel whenever you have two tight ends on the field uh, in, in the play. So I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. We've already talked about Emmanuel. We talk about Sadu. Talk about Miller McCrumbry, a, a true freshman. And then Reed Tyler. He's still there. Uh, yeah. He's still there. And so we have a lot of depth at that position. Which I think is another thing that lets you afford to take a guy like Sadu and Put him out wide if you need to in certain packages. And also, by the way, it gives you a chance. And I don't know if they'll ever do it, but it gives you a chance if you want to. There's enough guys there if they want to go some two tight end stuff. And you go back, not last year, but go back a couple, two or three years. Those were the times I thought we saw A-State had the most success running the football was out of some two tight end packages. It was. One other position group I think we, we need to mention is corner. And I think we've actually got some experience now at corner. We've got some depth. Sammy Johnson, Leon Jones, Denzel Blackwell, all back. Kenny Harris is back. And then one of the top recruits in the signing class is Ahmad Robinson. And you see him getting a lot of reps out there, too. He was making plays in the spring game as a true freshman, just walking on into or walking into the the cornerback room already. So I think you're right. I think from the defensive backfield, whether it's at the safety position or the cornerback, we have a ton of competitive depth, and I think that's what Coach Harley on the defensive side is looking for. And Ahmad, right? That's whose mom ran the Mizzou staff off. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, at the end of recruiting, that's one of the better get out signing day stories that Coach Jones had, but. Yeah, we like those kind of people. You betcha. By the way, you people, if you don't know, you can get on the Google. I'll show Philip because I know that reference went right over his head and, and a lot of people's. I'm always going to call that kid Iron Mike Sharp the second because that's what I grew up with being Iron Mike Sharp right there. I mean, that old kind of they look the same mid card guy in WWF back in the day. All right, so those were some of our first impressions of the first practice that that we were able to see, but. You know, Phillip's here, and we want to kind of get to know what he thought of his first year in the broadcast booth, and we'll do that when we come back here on the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Again, we're joined by our special guest today, our broadcast partner during football season for what will be a second straight year. Philip Butterfield, you got the rookie season out of the way. What was it like? I mean, was it what you expected? Was it easier? Was it tougher? 
what did you think of year one? You know, whenever everybody asks how it went my first year, I just say that, I mean, you guys made it easy on me. It, we're, I'm going to be watching football and talking football either way. And so the fact that you invited me to come do the broadcast booth is a lot of fun. I had a blast doing it and looking forward to a second year. I thought he was leading you up to, you, you got that rookie season out of the way, and I knew said, are you worried about a sophomore slump? <laughs> <laughs> well, as we talked about it, it, we've had an undefeated season already in the broadcast booth. Yeah, so. we were 12-0. and 0. <laughs> And I'll tell people now, I mean, you, you go back to um, – when we were looking for somebody to come in and you know tim allison did a really nice job for us for five years but he decided to step away and we started thinking of names and you know brad and i kind of sat down together and and you were honestly the number one name on our list and and there was a reason for that we wanted to see if if you wanted to do it Mm -hmm. we knew your love for arkansas state we knew your knowledge of the game and to be honest with you, you look around the country and, and a lot of the color analysts are a lot older. You've played more recently and the offenses now are a lot different than they were in the past. And we thought you might be able to give a fresh perspective. We knew how articulate you were, but I think that's a big compliment to you that you were the one that we wanted from the start. And look, you were all in as soon as I talked to you about it. Absolutely. It was an exciting opportunity. I really never considered a part-time career in color analyst. And and so from my standpoint, as I mentioned before, I was going to be watching football. I was going to be watching Arkansas State football. And I was going to be talking football, whether I was in the broadcast booth or not. And so just making it a a friendly conversation during the game. and, And obviously, it was a pretty easy transition just working with you guys. Yes, you love football, but at the same time, there, there is a lot of prep involved in this. Did you know how much preparation there was for a, a broadcast, what, what crews like us do on a weekly basis? Well, I wasn't surprised to see uh, your prep and Brad's prep going into the games, but obviously I think you need to be aware of not only how to pronounce all the names going into calling the game, but also be prepared to know your own team, know Arkansas State, know our strengths, and be able to explain that to the fan base, but also know the the next opponent. And it kind of felt like the old days whenever I was going into game prep with the team. And, and so Coach Jones and the rest of the coaching staff, they made it an open door policy. And, and that's made it an, an easy transition and getting content for us to talk about during the games. And that, that was a great opportunity. And I'm excited. Uh, I think it's going to be another good one this year. We're not out there performing surgery on people. Not out there, you know, putting our lives on the line. We're not out there even having people trust us with their finances. <laughs> We're getting on the radio and talking about a ball game. But with that said, I mean, and now you, you there was a little more to it probably than most people think. You just sit down, throw on the headset, and away we go. I gained a new respect for the industry, and obviously playing on the field, and you hear the announcers, and going back and and watching games and listening to games. You really don't know everything that goes into it uh, whenever you're playing. And so I, I gained a whole new respect for it and obviously love being a part of it now. One of the things I really look forward to are our Thursday meetings. And I'll tell people, Philip would come up from Little Rock every Thursday. We'd go to Coach Jones' office and he would sit there while we recorded the interview for the pregame show. But then we would talk after that. And this is a chance, too, to kind of thank Coach Jones for 
just how transparent he is because he does give us a lot of information and it helps us tremendously with our prep as far as knowing what to look for. It does. And and he goes into a lot of depth with us. A lot of guys, they'll keep it very gray, keep it very bland. But Coach Jones talks specifics, whether it's some type of strategy on the offensive side, some personnel, uh, special personnel we need to be looking for during the game. And he's very transparent. He made it easy on us this past year. And we've talked about it before. A coaching change affects a lot of people in terms of like, right, it is a, what's the second part of that expression? It's a change, right? And people don't like change. And so even all the way down to people doing what we do, there's a certain amount of nervousness that goes with the coaching change, especially because you couldn't have more access or more transparency. With Blake Anderson, we knew everything there was to know. And so like, Honestly, whoever comes next, the best they could, the best it could be was the way it was. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's a lot of trepidation about what's this guy going to be like. Even in year one, it was a pleasant surprise. And what I've seen now that Coach Jones has been here a calendar year, been through everything once, is that his comfort level has even gone up a notch from where it was this time a year ago. Oh, no doubt about it. And I think you've got to earn his trust. And obviously, we've been able to do that. And I think kind of a compliment to all the media members that cover Arkansas State. He's got a greater comfort level with everybody that's around the program right now. He does, and, and you can see it after practice whenever he was talking with the media. You can see it whenever he's meeting with us one-on-one. He, he's, he wants to be transparent and talk to the fan base through us, and that's just a credit to, to who he is and what he wants to do for the, the Jonesboro community and the Arkansas State fan base. You know, one of the other things that we look forward to every week or not every week but when we go on the road is just hanging out with with the three of us it's something we look forward to and then jerry scott is always part of that group as well but one of the best parts of going on the road just hanging out we went to a lot of top golfs last year but the camaraderie with everybody is is really cool and i'll tell you this and you know being transparent here and i know Brad probably feels the same way. We always look forward to going on the road when Bill Keedy was around. And that was one of the best parts of football season, just being around coach. And there was a couple of years span there after Coach Keedy passed where it just wasn't the same going on the road. I think he'd appreciate the way it is now. He'd like seeing the way it is now because it, it is kind of back to – having fun again and and you get to be a part of that no doubt about it and and from our standpoint whether we went to a top golf or whether we went to a putt putt course we found a way to to compete and have a good time the night before a game and prep for the for the next saturday so anyway we had a blast and and i'm looking forward to a lot of those this year well and i mentioned the camaraderie part because yes we've got that on our broadcast team but you had a special connection camaraderie with your teammates that you had while you were a player at Arkansas State and what I've always been so impressed with is how close you guys still are and you know we had Darius Dunaway on one of our podcasts here recently and he talked about just 
the connection and the text group that you guys had. I really didn't know much about it until you told me about it, but there's a huge group of former players that stay connected through a text group that is always going. And uh, there's honestly probably multiple text groups uh, within that because, I mean, you have di- different generation of, of players. Where there was, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, but Darius Dunaway, Dunaway and I came in at the same time and we played with the DeMario Davises, the Brian Halls, but then we also played with the, the younger groups as well, going through four head coaching staffs. There's a lot of, of transition within that. And and that's what I mentioned earlier, kind of looking at this player group that we have right now and the success that we're hoping for this season. You can see success with a coach-led group, but you see a lot of success with a player-led group. And that's what we had with all those transitions from the coaching staffs 10, 15 years ago. There's a lot of challenges that go into that. But from our standpoint, we had a ton of great leaders on the team, whether it was on the offensive side or defensive side, just across the board. And a lot of us stay really close down there in Little Rock. There's a lot of us that, that have moved down there that come up to Jonesboro still quite a bit. So from our standpoint, it, it, we do stay close, and that's been a fortunate thing for us. Which, you know, it's, it's consistent, honestly, with the university as a whole. Because back – and I haven't seen this update in a while, but I can't imagine it's changed. Outside of Craighead County, the next – County with the most Arkansas State alums is is Pulaski, mm-hmm. so I, there's always been a lot of A State folks down there. And contrary to popular <laughs> belief, the the license plate branding that happened I don't know 10 15 years ago. Yeah, I mean you can tell, and people are proud to to wear that license plate on their car. Uh, so you can see there there is a, a good group of people down there of Arkansas State fans. Yeah, and you mentioned Applin. I know that you were competing for that spot every year, but you mentioned, look, it was his team. You knew where you're at, but you guys have a special connection still, too. And look, we heard the comments last week from from Clay Helton, the Georgia Southern head coach, on Media Day. And he said it to me and Brad on our broadcast. And then he got on the main stage at Media Day and said, look, Ryan Applin will be head coach at Arkansas State one day. And they bet his own money on it. That, that's a factual stuff. I'll put I'll put some money on that bet as well. Yeah, you'll go in on that too? I mean there's something different about Ryan. Obviously he has a ton of talent physically. Whenever you whenever he came into the program, I think a lot of people and and he'll say this as well, so I'm not saying anything wrong. But a lot of people thought he might be a kicker. He was a scrawny six foot, <laughs> about a, a buck eighty but he developed so much, and he was such a leader for our team on and off the field. Players were drawn to him, his personality, and whenever he spoke, people listened. And And I think for a successful team, as I mentioned before, uh, more the most successful teams are player-led teams, and that's what we had back then when Ryan was, Ryan was a big part of that. I, I don't think App. You you said something you don't think he would argue it, and I'm going to say something I don't think he would mind my saying, because I don't think it's a big mystery. When the Arkansas State head job was open, Ryan Applin wanted it. Now, Ryan Applin, I say it because he also understood it was too early in his career, right? But you can't not take your shot because it doesn't sure. come open every day. And we had some conversations when that job was open, he and I did. And the thing I communicated is, you know, look, he's I know he's from Tampa, and that's where he's born and raised. But it's not a guy right now that's working through his coaching profession and his coaching career with the end game of trying to be the coach of the Florida Gators or the Florida State Seminoles or whatever the case is. 
his dream job somewhere down the line is to be the head football coach at Arkansas State. And Jonesboro will welcome him with open arms. And, and going back to a couple of years ago, whenever that spot was open, obviously we, we did know that Ryan would be a younger coach. If you saw social media, people, former players, former teammates were openly posting their support for him to get that spot. And that's not going to change uh, whenever that spot comes open again. Oh, yeah. I would think it would just get stronger next time around. And, and, and I know he was on the staff here and went to Georgia Southern because, I mean, and there are the building after them with, you know, he's got as many or more kids than I do. And they're a lot <laughs> younger. So the ability to, to be considerably closer at this stage in his kid's life to where he and, and Tori grew up is a big deal. But I, I think even – Butch Jones would would tell you and would have told you and probably still would now that he had Ryan Applin someday being the head coach at Arkansas State in mind when he had him on his staff here. Let me ask Philip something. It's it's shifting (laughs) gears here, but since we're talking about Applin, you said every year you go in competing for the job, even though you kind of, you know, the situation, all you got to do is go outperform the player of the year in the league. That's it. That's it. For, for the the number two quarterback, it is the ultimate, I don't know if there's any greater example of if you stay ready, you don't got to get ready. But how hard is that to do wholeheartedly, to really, really prepare, knowing that if something doesn't go big time wrong, you're not going to put that to use? Well, the biggest challenge is in the, the practice week beforehand and even going back to fall camp, you're not getting reps with the ones. And even going through the season, the ones are going to get more reps than you might get with the twos. So you have to get so many mental reps in. And so that's the challenge. You need to get just as much film work in. You need to get just as many throws in. Um, But that's outside of the normal course of practice. And so, I mean, going back to my time, obviously the first year that I actually could play, barring injury, uh, was my redshirt freshman year. And so we were – because he was hurt during the spring that year. We were going through fall camp competing, and Coach Freeze and Coach Roberts, uh, they announced the starting quarterback about a week before the first game. Now, that was the year that I played the most, just because the next year I I had another seasoning injury. But going into that, I guess it would have been the 2011 season, because I'd played in pretty much every game my redshirt freshman year. Freeze gave us the open-door policy of, of, of coming in and talking to him, and um, obviously, at that point, you're the backup quarterback. It's easy. And I'm going to be transparent. Every quarterback goes through it thinking about, well, is this the best place for me? Do I need to be thinking about going somewhere else so I can be the starter? And Freeze was transparent with me and said that he was going to give us the opportunity to compete again. Obviously, after Ryan had already started for 12 games. And, and we knew the, the standing of the team at that point. But that's what I appreciated. Obviously, it felt like it did uh, with the injuries. But... I was thankful for that, and I think every day, as a backup quarterback, you have to stay ready. And um, there were challenges to that, but I was so grateful for for how it all turned out. No, it worked out okay. It sure did. I think we're fine. And I love just that group of guys, and you talk about how close you are, but there's so much pride in being A-State alums. And I think about... You and Taylor Stockhammer and, and obviously Applin and DeMario and even more recently, a guy like Jacob Still. I mean, it's so great to see 
these guys that are now alums of the university just still embrace what it means to be a Red Wolf as much as they do. Everybody has their own story, but looking back, six quarterback coaches, four head coaches, two season-ending injuries, a lot of people can can think pity me. And I did at times. That's just to be completely honest. But I am so grateful for the people of Arkansas State, the people that I met, and the relationships from not only just my teammates, the former coaches, but my life couldn't have turned out better. Obviously, I'm, I'm married to a former Red Wolf as well, and she's kind of the star athlete of the family, in my opinion. Um, but uh, I'm so grateful for what Arkansas State did for me. And then looking back, I, I wouldn't have it going any the other way. Well, and since we're you know heaping all this praise, let me, let me tell people this too: is that you know Philip Butterfield too was the sort of perfect embodiment of a student athlete came in here and it you know it wasn't even if he grew up thinking that way it was he didn't come in here with a you know we're gonna empty the chamber here trying to make it to the league i i can feel like he identified as he his college academic career progressed he identified the field he wanted to be in he was in it seemingly before his playing days were even done and he transitioned seamlessly to it and is now wildly successful in that field very fortunate for a lot of mentors, whether they're professors. And, and honestly, one of the great things about being a football player, you don't have a ton of time to find a part-time job. But I was fortunate during a few summers to work at Liberty Bank, now Centennial Bank, and I was able to find those connections through our athletic program. I worked part-time, made, made minimum wage every single year. But that's okay because those connections, those mentors, those relationships – have have pushed me and, and passed me along the way to where I am. So I'm very fortunate to be where I am at Stevens and Little Rock. And uh, there's, like I said, there's really no other path that I, I would have rather had it go. You're on a great team with Stevens. And man, we're glad to have you on our team too. Ready for year two. I'm grateful to be a part of it and looking forward for another undefeated season in the booth. All right. Looking forward to that. Uh, we're going to take another time out. Be back to wrap things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. You raised your family here. Did every July 4th here. Refinished the floors here twice. Sized up your daughter's boyfriends here. Waited in the doorway all day when your son was coming home on leave. This place has given you all you've dreamed of and now it's giving again in the form of a gourmet kitchen and the quietest dishwasher known to man. Realize your dream with a home equity line of credit from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt, Brad, Philip, with you for one more segment here as we take a look at the week ahead at A-State. Media Day coming up on Tuesday team will uh, practice once again football will practice wednesday and thursday then they'll scrimmage on saturday well so we, we mentioned full disclosure and let people know that you know we we're recording this on a saturday because you guys took in practice so also in the name of full disclosure if you're listening to this on tuesday when it drops it is media day uh today at arkansas state but if you're listening to this on tuesday the day it drops I'm sitting in a cabana poolside <laughs> at the Flamingo Hotel on the Las Vegas Strip. Well, Be jealous, folks. What you're leaving out there is this is a family trip <laughs> it is. to Las Vegas. It's like the Griswolds, Amer- baby. America's favorite family destination. You taking the hatchback? I'm telling I'm, my nine and seven and 
I guess even the 16 and 17 year olds, if they don't win a car apiece, they better figure their own <laughs> way home. Need yeah. a Nick Papa Giorgio moment while you're if in there's, Vegas. Listen, if I'm telling you this right now, if there's a place in Las Vegas that I could talk into letting my nine year old play blackjack, I'd back him in a heartbeat. He knows what he's doing. <laughs> Also coming up on Saturday, mentioned the football scrimmage, but Saturday, a soccer exhibition at home against Tennessee Martin. Five o'clock the start time for that. So Coach Dooley's team getting going. They'll have a new look about them. So be, but I mean, they're really talented because he's recruited so well. So looking forward to that. And then, you know, too, uh, sometime here sooner than later in this podcast, I'm sure we'll recap the fact that the men's basketball team is in the Dominican. That's right. They've been uh, playing exhibition games down in the Dominican, a nine-day trip, hosting a, a youth clinic down there. Also, you know, not only playing the games, but but getting a lot of kind of bonding time, too. You got a, a bunch of newcomers on this team, so – Brad and I talked about last week, 10 extra practices because of this foreign trip, which helps you out a ton. You get the games in. This team has a chance to come together with the Dominican. And yes, we will get Mike Bellotto or somebody in from the basketball team to kind of recap that very soon. Yes. All right. That's it as far as uh, what we got. Brad, you got anything? You know, I'm in vacation mode. You'd think there wasn't something. But there is, and it's and it's as much, I'd say, public service announcement as rant. But at this point, it's obviously for 2022. It's probably too far gone. So the public service announcement part of this will apply to to, to you know 2023 and beyond. But it's football season coming up, right? Mm-hmm. And these coaches and these athletes, they always say they put all these hours. They they prepare 365 days. For 12 guaranteed opportunities to compete and fans because how we are about football they put in all their time and waiting and getting ready for 12 opportunities to compete with their team and watch and cheer so why in the world would anybody within their right mind plan a wedding that is going to take someone away from one of those 12 <laughs> precious opportunities i'm behind you a hundred percent on this and i don't and, and if if Philip wants to uh, disclose names or if he wants to protect the innocent, that's fine. But the most by far uh, egregious example of this is there are two people each at one point in their life, Division One athletes, including a football player, who have a wedding scheduled on a college football Saturday. I'm not going to disagree with any of those statements, Brad. I, I really can't. But just as a full disclaimer, the female was a basketball player. Yes. They don't understand football scheduling as well as uh, you and I might. Listen, I, this, I, of course, I spent yeah, four you're years. You're being a little nice kid. here. I, this kid knows better. Well, that, that's all I can say. That's the nicest way I can put it. And then the other ones are both basketball players that I'll be attending. So, so that is too. They, they just don't understand the football season. In in a in an instance where a, a former women's basketball player mm-hmm. is marrying a one-time college football player, yep. why? Who picked that? It had to be her. At some point, it wasn't guys, me. No, I know. <laughs> and then, so furthermore, so okay. And we're bringing this up because Philip will be yeah. missing. Listen, I want a couple I, of I want to rip on this year. bride by name so bad I cannot stand it. Just so you know. Well. I'm, I'm, because I ripped on her her whole life from the time she got to Arkansas State on. I'm going to make sure she hears this. Yeah, and she uh, she won't be surprised by your take on it. 
She's not surprised because I've already mentioned it to her a few times already. <laughs> her and her malfunctioning shoulders picking a wedding on a football day. Yeah. It will be in Tahoe. So, I mean, at least we're going to have and so, decent views. Furthermore, then the next step to that, I guess, is since we can't trust everybody's going to make the right decision on when to get married. Stoltz and I did, right? We, we both snuck our wedding into finals week. We understand the deal. And that's the truth. Yeah. So if you can't, I mean, uh, you can't trust everybody's going to make the right decision, then you knew, you need to do a better job picking your friends. And that way I'm looking at your wife. Well, they are best friends. So, I mean, overall, <laughs> I think or she needs to just, I Brad, mean, like, is this, it, the, is this the most aggressive rant he's had so nah, far? Because yeah, he's got, he's, a, he's, <laughs> he's going in on you. <laughs> I mean, and it's, it's like, give me the list of her remaining single friends. Cause we can just start going to work on, and, and if, maybe if I find them somebody to date, then they'll, then we get a vote on when the wedding is. Yeah. Yeah. Spring sure. weddings are nice too. Yeah, they are. Summer weddings are Maybe the best, just because you really don't have a, a season. But yeah, That's football right. Saturdays in the fall seem to be the most popular time to get married. That's a it's a big no no. <laughs> As a husband, kind of once you've got that equity, and then when your wife comes up with such a harebrained idea, you feel more comfortable going, "We're not doing that." But when you're just a fiance, you're kind of you're screwed. You go, mm-hmm. "Okay, whatever." Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I'll give I'll give the guy credit that he knows better, and it just got outvoted. That's what I would assume is what happened. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun hanging out with our buddy Philip Butterfield. Had a blast. It, yeah, it's uh, it's here, man. Football season's here. You're going to be hearing a lot more of them as we uh, get closer to kickoff. Coming up, uh, what is it, September 3rd against Grambling, Grambling State at Centennial Coach Bank Hugh State. Hugh Jackson, by the way. That's right. Okay, we're gonna, first game is Grambling head. Coach. We we've got a lot to talk about as we lead up to the Grambling game. But uh, for Philip, for Brad, I'm Matt. Thanks for listening. As always, to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.